Gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore and you are listening to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. Folks, it's cold outside, but we're going to heat you up with the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. So for the next two hours, just let us take control of your ears, your hearts, your minds and even your bodies. Because with that said, I'm delighted to have back with me in the studio, Double N. Double N, how are you doing? All good, all good. It's great to be back, Alan. Listen, before we start, uh, what the hell is going on with Arsenal? Well, I can talk about it all night, but let's leave it for later. Okay, I agree with you on that. Right, we are going to talk about Arsenal an awful lot later, but before we give you the rundown, it is 6-1. I was, when we were going on air, it was 5-1 Manchester United against Leeds. It's four, it was four, it was, oh, listen, it's insane right now at Old Trafford. It is 6-1. Manchester United Leeds United there's goals galore this weekend of course earlier on it was 2-0 for Leicester City against Spurs and Brighton drew 1-1 at home with Sheffield United uh, still about 20 minutes to go in that Man U game so there could be maybe one more goal at least one more goal right so we are going in just one moment up to St. Petersburg to chat with Sport Daily's editor-in-chief Ivan Zhitkov uh, he's going to talk to us about what uh, like basically have Zenit won the title then we're going to go east to our man in Siberia Andrew Flint because it's all Russian football and we're going to ask him does Stanny stand a chance to be in Qatar that of course is Mr. Cherchesov in part two we're going to start off with the director of communications for Lokomotiv Moscow Kirill Bredo he's going to tell us just how he reckons the uh, first part of the season has gone for the railwaymen and then we're down in the dungeon with Andy Mack to talk about the English Premier League and just how Liverpool keep seeming to find energy from nowhere Oh, well, we kind of have an idea where, but anyway, they find energy. In part three, Isil Cody, our legal eagle, she is going to give us the full Irish with three of her picks of the top women's stories this past week, followed by a takedown of Russia's enemies. Tune in for that one, folks. It's just after half nine, you are going to enjoy it. In part four, Danny Armstrong, Andy Mack and Andrew Flint are going to talk about the English Premier League, Spartak meltdown and Russia's quote-unquote Olympic ban. In part five, Alexander Zotov is uh, getting a well-deserved time out, well, it actually be half-time in the game that he's watching, um, to talk about the state of Russian football at the winter break and just what lies ahead in 2021. And in part six, of course, we will have the big, fat, filthy quiz. But first, I am delighted to welcome on to the show a man who visited my hometown and did, and actually visited Croke Park, where, yes, it was a huge, huge match where um, uh, my own home county won. Mr. Ivan Zhitkov, Ivan, how are you doing? Ivan, can you hear us? Ivan, 
No, no, no sound. Okay, well, we're just going to double check that and see what we're doing. We will call Ivan back in just a moment because Ivan, of course, is uh, he is he was there with us. So we're going to try to get it back on the line in just one moment. Um, as we mentioned, uh, Zenith are top of the table. They beat Spartak, of course, last week. We'll speak with Andy Flint about that in just a moment. But it was an absolute disaster, disaster for um, Spartak losing you know, away. Okay, Grand Zenith are going great guns, but at the same time, it is still hard to lose because they have really, let's just say, but many people seem to believe that they have blown their chance of the title. Um, Ivan, you're back with us. You're there with us right now. Can you hear? I can hear hi. you loud and clear. Alan. Oh, lovely. So, hi, Alan. So, greetings from the alternative world. Because you're discussing <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal. <laughs> I know, I know. Zenit and Russian national team. Well, listen, Zenit, um, I, I now, right now, I'm crowning them champions of Russia 2020-21. Am I doing the right thing or am I jumping the gun? At the moment, I would agree with you because it was quite impressive to win three games in a row after quite disappointing performance in Champions League. But afterwards, it was 5-1 against Yekaterinburg, 3-1 against Dynamo Moscow with Sandra Schwarz from Bundesliga trainer. And uh, then finally, 3-1 against Spartak Moscow against another one Bundesliga coach. So I think it's quite a good uh, ambition to, to win a league. So yes, uh, Zenit now seems like a more stable team in a, in a, in a, in a Russian league. So despite of all conversations about pro- probable Sergei Semak dismissal. Uh, and uh, I think that it's uh, very important to have a fortress which never, which never bothers uh, circumstances happening around of that. <laughs> which is much more which takes care about what is going on uh, inside of Fortress. So I think that Zenit is a favorite now. And uh, after a winter break, it will be a little bit better than we saw before that. Yeah, I mean, because watching Zenit play, I mean, you look at the, the, the goal scores, you've got uh, Asmoon on 11, Juba on 11 goals, both topping the, you know, between the two, they scored 22 goals, um, which is only two less than Rostov and Dinamo have scored for the whole team, and one more than Lokomotiv have scored. Um, I mean, how how is Archom Juba Dinamo? Because I know you're you're close with the with the club, with the team, you you know he he had an awful... Um, time of it, and I mean, we spoke about it here in the show, and it was it angered me sort of how a lot of people were were, were taking advantage of the whole situation to push themselves. Uh, Sports Daily didn't. You covered it very, very humanely. I would say that uh, it starts uh, could can be in this situation cannot be too transparent. Uh, so let's see what will happen until the end of the season. Uh, I have a huge respect of what Zuba uh, is doing and Asmund is doing for the moment. But I would say that uh, anyway, uh, if even if Zenit will win the league uh, in 2021, uh, the team will be needed to rebuild. So we have to look for, we I, I mean, that's here in St. Petersburg. <laughs> <you know. laughs> I understand. <laughs> Yeah, so we we have to rebuild the team, and we have to find solutions how to improve the team, how to make it more flexible tactically, how to make it more flexible in terms of squad. So I I think it's uh, it's it will be a very interesting challenge for us within next six seven months. Uh, so let's see what will happen just 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 after after this season. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's what, what Semikazun has been absolutely terrific. And I think he's got a great group of players who have bought into it. And I, and I always go back to something you said to me. You, you told us on the show um, that, you know, where, you know th- th- that now, um, let's just say, I can't say Elada or Elada Neva, but now uh, Zenit have an Awazic. They have a Nuaz Patriot. Um, <laughs> they're leading them, you know, and instead of like a Ferrari. Um, do you think that Semak, Sergei Semak is there for, for at least another two, three years? He's growing up as a coach, so probably at the moment he also seems like a Waz, Wazik Patriot. <laughs> uh, he's not he, he's not Ferrari yet, um, <laughs> even in 5%. But look, he's quite a young coach. I, I wouldn't say that uh, Domenico Tedesco is also Ferrari so far. <laughs> yeah, I, in terms of in terms of Bundesliga, he is also Wazik or at least Trabant. Yeah, I would yeah. say <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, he's a Fiat. He's a Fiat. Remember, he's Italian. Don't forget that he's a Fiat. So yeah, of 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 all, oh, yes, a good old Fiat. But look, it's 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 not a, it's it's not in bad se- in a bad sense. It's uh, quite a good to have Trabi in Berlin when having that uh, feeling of uh, retro Berlin, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's still like lovely. But look, uh, uh, serious, uh, seriously, it's uh, very difficult to build something serious here in Russia. Yeah. In the right way. It's a big problem here on in terms of uh, player players' education and coaches' education. So if, uh, for example, when Domenico Tudesco... Yeah. Ivan, we, we, we lost you there. Oh, we just have... Uh... Lost, Ivan. Are you back with us, Ivan? Ivan, you're back with us? No, we have lost. I'm sorry about that. We've lost Ivan. But look, we're going to get him back. We'll hopefully get him next week. Um, Ivan, if you're listening to us, um, he is putting his daughter to sleep right uh, in just a few minutes. That's why he took a little bit of time out to to do the call. Um, So wish him and his family a very happy birthday, little Elisa, and just um, to uh, his wife Natasha as well. Just have a a happy holidays. We'll speak with him next week. We're going to go now to Andrew Flint, who's waiting uh, with bated breath, even, we could say, out in Siberia, because uh, he is ready to give us his take on the Russian Premier League and, of course, the absolute collapse of Spartak. Um, Andrew, um, we were just speaking with uh, Ivan Zhidkov uh, from Sport Daily, and unfortunately we were cut off. But it's it's Spartak are in absolute uh, panic mode at the moment. They're they're in complete meltdown, aren't they? And I think that we could be in complete meltdown. Um, Andrew Flint, can you hear us? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, Spartak in meltdown, you say, Alan? Yes. <laughs> Well, should we just say Spartak in a state of normality by their standards? Um, it's it's absolute chaos as usual, isn't it? Um, I mean, where where do we start? I suppose Dominica Tedesco. We have to start with. Um, he has announced he will not be renewing his extending his contract, I should say, um, which expires in the summer. I very much doubt he'll even last that long. Um, we know Russian clubs prefer to spend a bit more time to have a bit of a winter training camp with a new manager so it would make a bit more sense if they're going to change um, but they're, they're in a bit of a mess um, all over the place they're already talking about who might come in uh, Kike Setian I've, heard, I've seen rumours that they're looking at him um, possibly Luciano Spalletti the ex-Zanit manager um, there's still the on- ongoing argument with Sochi over the comments made towards 
Tedesco, um, alluding to racism according to Tedesco himself. Alexander Kokorin um, is, well, he's in the Maldives without permission um, with a personal master to supposedly recover from injury um, on his €3 million Euro a year contract. So Spartak are apparently willing to accept offers for him as well in the winter break. Um, and, of course, they've dropped off the top of the lead at Russian Premier League. So, um, yeah, bit of a mess. Yeah, I mean, if we look at it now, I mean, Siska are four points back of Zenit because um, these are all as a result of midweek games. Siska uh, four points back of Zenit. Uh, Spartak are a further two points back in third round, 35 points. Nisachi are catching him there on 33 points in fourth. Rostov holding steady in fifth uh, on 32. Dinamo there in sixth with 30 points. Then Loco are in Eighth on 28. Now we're going to speak in um, about, well, just under 10 minutes with Kirill Bredo from Lokomotiv. Um, Lokomotiv have not done themselves any favours uh, with losing to Himke, did they, in, in, uh, on Thursday? No, absolutely not. I mean, it was, wow, what a, what a finish it was. Those two goals in the last five minutes for Himke to continue their utterly remarkable run of form. But it's a really, really damaging blow that because it is still tight. Like you say, I mean, had Loco held on for the win there, they would have been only two points behind Sochi. Um, but as it is, they're down in eighth. Um, the good news is that others are dropping points around them. Dinamo not looking convincing themselves. Spartak in a, I wouldn't say free fall, but uh, they're not on steady ground either. But that really did put a bit of a spanner in the works for Loco going into the winter break. Um we just uh, one little side on Krasnodar uh, getting Dinamo Zagreb uh, in the Champions League, or sorry, the Europa League uh, playoffs. Um, could that actually give them a little bit of a, a chance to get into the next round? Well, I mean, you shouldn't um, underestimate Dinamo Zagreb, but I do think it is one of the kind of tools that, that Krasnodar could have got. Um I would say that Krasnodar's squad is now nearing fitness again. They had so many injury problems at the beginning of the season and they struggled to cope with Champions League football. Um, but I think after a good winter break, most of their players back from injury, I actually think they've got a very good chance of, of going through. And I think they'll be able to cope with the workload too because, like I say, the winter break will give them time to recover and recuperate. Um, and they are leading, uh, they're flying the flag for Russian, Russian clubs in a dismal European campaign. For overall across the board. So, yeah, I think it's a promising sign for him. Now, of course, there are a couple of the uh, players from, um, like, sort of like this to say, the standout players from Dinamo who might be on the move, uh, like Mohrami, the, um, I think he's the Iranian international. Uh, he could be on the move away. Uh, he's, he seems to be unhappy with what's going on uh, in Dinamo. But uh, do you think that if they, if they can, um, if, if, Krasnodar can get through that round. How far do you think he can go in the Europa League? Uh, I, I don't think realistically um, they'll be able to get a, a great deal much further. Um, it's actually a very, very strong uh, lineup for the knockouts for the Europa League. Um, a lot of big clubs in there. Um, so I don't think there really will be a great deal of expectations. But if they can get through this round, I'd say that could be regarded a... A, a, an okay European campaign, um, but I, I don't think a, a lot further than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, if you look at those teams in there, there's, there's Spurs, Man United, Arsenal, Milan, Leicester City, Rangers, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, and it's it's 
it's a huge and even Ajax as well so that is a Napoli of course uh, AC Milan who are top of the Italian league at the moment they just went top by beating uh, Sassuolo 2-1 um, Andrew before we go away quick question for you um, I wanted to ask Ivan Zhitkov um, about the situation with Cherchesso because we were speaking about it before uh, there were rumours this week that he was being called into the Russian Football Union uh, for talks no one knew whether it was to extend his contract uh, through, you know, to, to confirm or to give him a rise or whatever, or to get make some changes, or that he's going to be let go. Uh, do you think that his his job is under threat? Well, I, I think it has to be really. Um, that UEFA Nations League campaign was just such a disappointment towards the end. Um, but on the other hand, uh, there is a whole qualification campaign for the 2022 World Cup coming up and and like we said before if they're going to make a change they've got to make it now um, before that campaign begins but I think I don't think it looks like there's a great deal of progress there we know he's very stubborn with selections and he if he had an interest in building for a bit you know for a longer term uh, run in the job he should be bringing through younger players more than he has it's as simple as that um and he's very stubborn in his way, so I think the I think it might be the time for him to go. Okay, Andrew Flynn, thank you very much for that. Andrew, of course, will be back with us in part four. An update from Old Trafford, and there was another goal, but it was for Leeds this time, and it is now 6-2 with around, well, four minutes plus added on uh, time as well, so possibly with seven minutes in total left in that. We're going to wait for the break. We're going to go back with Kieran Bredo, and then, of course, we'll be speaking with Andy Mack. We're going to go out with Medusa featuring the good boys and Peace of Your Heart. Sports with Alan Moore. Show me a piece of your heart, a piece of your love. I'm calling you up to getting down, down, down. The way that we touch is never enough. I'm turning you up to getting down, down. Show me a piece of your heart. Piece of your love, I'm calling you up to get down, down, down. The way that we touch is never enough. I'm turning you up to get down, down, down. What? Sorry, just quickly. What if it's da 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 uh, uh, da 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 uh, uh, down, down, down.
Back, ladies and gentlemen, to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. It is still 6-2 at Old Trafford, but there are, well, they're running out of time leads now for a major comeback. Um, but we're going to go straight away uh, to Moscow. I, well, I, well, I think he's in Moscow. To the Director of Sports or of Communications for Locomotive Moscow, Kirill Bredo, great friend of the show. Kirill, how are you doing? Hi, hi, Al. Nice to hear you. Nice to, to have a possibility to be on air with you. I'm just watching the Manchester United Leeds. It could be seven, could be eight. Just fantastic weekend this time at APL. I'm telling you something, like with Liverpool winning 7-0 and yeah, goals yeah. everywhere. I mean, it's... It's good, but listen, we, we had the same in in the Russian Premier League as well. I, I want to ask you a question. This is now... Yeah, of, well, I remember we lost 5-0 to Krasnodar, so that's it, I remember. <laughs> Let's not speak about that. I don't want to speak about it, okay? You know, I have a very, very soft spot for Lokomotiv. I, I, look, I love all our Moscow clubs. Lokomotiv, of course, we've worked worked together, and um, so I, I'll leave that. that that's a nightmare. Um, um, this is a question that in relate because I've seen it and we've spoken about it in terms of rugby and American football. Do you think that because of COVID, there's less kind of emphasis now put on tackling and contact between players, which means there's more goals able to be scored? Well, actually, if we go deep in, in, into statistics, we found that uh, no team th- uh, this uh, campaign Europe repeats or or even upgrade no no words about it the pressing uh, numbers no team because it's not possible to have uh, without uh without summer training camps and we, we compare even russian league to european leagues when they have like uh 45 days uh, after b- between the, the seasons in russia we, we had just two weeks so without the rest without uh, training camps it's not possible of course to to, to be on the same level physically just not possible Listen, that's, that, that did seem to... Because I want to... Uh, look, we, we've said it on the show over and over again. Um, the, the, the play of Lokomotiv, they seem to play up to their opposition. So when they went to Bayern Munich or Atletico, they played as good as them and actually outplayed them, outran them, outworked them and almost outskilled them at different times. Um, do you think that that's... Loco kind of were, were almost saving themselves for these major, major games? Well, actually, this is not. This question is not for me. I'm not a football expert. I'm not a football expert. Even if if I if I think the same about myself, <laughs> I, I I cannot talk to you in this way. But as for me, uh, well, sometimes maybe it could be in terms of motivation. But last games were so important. It's not about motivation. It's too easy in terms of argumentation to say that it's kind of motivation. They're professional players, professional coaches. That's that's not. The problem, it's not the factor, not the main one, that's for sure. It could be sometimes a factor if just one match, say, out of ten, it's possible. All of us are humans, but uh, if it's like so-called like uh, system, long-term problem, it's not a factor. You know, in, in Europe, as, as for me, again, I'm not an expert, in Europe, uh, teams play a um, little bit the other way. All of them just uh, make a high-pressing. So we try to, to so we learn how to, to play with the ball under the pressure at our, our half, our third part of the field. 
in Russia, nobody just uh, make presents. So we just come with the ball to 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 the half of the opponent, and all of them are behind the line, behind behind the ball. So it's very difficult. That's another type of game, just another type, and and one type were good. And uh, I saw some uh, deep statistics where just like a five uh, were on a spot number five in Champions League uh, as a team playing good under the pressure, cool. but in terms of possession football, were like really bad. So it's some. Some games are uh, just like suitable for us. Some are less. Something like that, I guess. Okay, listen. Okay, let's let's let's. Uh, Loco, sorry, the results in the pitch. I mean, they went up and down, but you're still in with a shout of you know a, a, a minimum qualifying for Europe because you're only what uh, five points back from Sochi, and that is nothing for the quality that Lokomotiv have. I want to ask you about losing uh, half of the Moranchuks. Um, do you think that, that that sort of hurt the team a wee bit? Well, for sure. For sure, I mean, I'm a lover of Alexey Miranchuk. Of uh, how he's a fantastic player, he's a fantasist, he's a magician. A lot of words possible to talk about him, about a brother also. But as you say, half of uh, is lost, so that's that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the team is 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 really new. Well, uh, if the if still some well, you can say that Murilo, Zhivagliadov, or Kulikov, my game also were. Or Ipchinsky in a squad last season, but to be in the squad and to to play an important role in a starting uh, lineup, that's different things, you know. So just well, a lot of negative right now outside the club, inside the club. It's it's very difficult. Of course, the last two matches were like frustrating, disappointing, and uh, but I I see how difficult uh, is mentally for the players, for the coaches, uh, for the staff. If if it's difficult even for me. At the end of this uh, summer slash autumn campaign, how difficult it is for them? I just just can, cannot realize. So I'm looking still forward. Uh, we, all of us need some rest, so, and I'm still looking forward for the winter training camps. And uh, after it, everything will be fair. So we will have time. We'll have results. We'll see the, 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 how it's going. Well, that's, listen. The one thing again, I want to repeat something you said. Russian clubs. Normally would have time to build up, to get players in, to train them in, to get them into the system um, and also have more than two bloody weeks between competitive matches. I mean, you guys were thrown straight back into it. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's insane. Um, OK, I'm not, let's leave transfers aside because that's sort of that's above our pay grade. Um, yeah. in, 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 in terms of our Serbian specialist, Mr. Nikolic, how is he finding life in Moscow? Because I, I, for one, have think that he's done a very good job taking over from a legend and he has put his mark on the team, but I do see it taking another season to really take hold. Well, it, it's, it's, well it's not uh, the best way, I, I guess, for me here be on air to, to discuss our head coach. You know, it's <laughs> because I, I'm just a press officer and not an expert. <laughs> but as for me, yes, as for me, uh, some journalists already said about interesting tactics, interesting information, Champions League. Uh, some experts said that we're not so good in Russian Premier League. I will not re- uh, repeat all the things. Yeah. I can say that just uh, in terms of personality, uh, I found him really strong. Really strong. Because, you know, the, the position he found after Europouch, uh under this pressure, uh, this conflict, uh, and still you don't have time, you have to... to to work with the new with the new team, to show the result, and and so so on, and uh, I I didn't see even once when he showed his weaknesses to the team, oh, even before, 
even before I don't know the uh, two, during two days before Salzburg when had uh, you know those problems with COVID and injuries yeah. and we, in a decisive match it was like a tragedy tragedy to not to to to, to play your football not to have such possibility. But he was so calm. He was so calm. I knew that he was sitting with uh, uh, all the other trainings until five in the morning. But he was so calm because, as he said, if if I if I if I look nervous, so it will the same will be the team. So I found him a great personality. But uh, this, in terms of uh, human personality way, other I just cannot analyze. No, listen, I, I only ask you about human, because again, he's a foreigner coming yeah. into Moscow, and yeah. you of all people know about how difficult it can be settling into Moscow, but I know Lokomotiv is a great club that will gather around him and make him feel very much at home. Um, listen, before we go away, one last little question for you, because I know you're taking a lot of time out to, to be with this evening, and I massively appreciate it, Kirill. Um, the question is this, um, I'm Santa Claus right now. I'm, I'm dead Ross. I'm Santa Claus. What would you like to find in your stocking uh, on Christmas Day or on New Year's Day? Uh, well, we have like Boxing Day. I'll, I'll, I, I will likely <laughs> find three points or six points or how many games we have <laughs> during Boxing Days. But uh, to be honest, some mental rest. <laughs> Some mental rest because it was really tough year for all of us, for the fans, uh, for uh, for the club uh, employers, uh, and uh, for for players, for 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 all of us. Different year for you for 2020. Yeah. It's like you know that's that's a crazy year. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it, we had like nowadays we have like difficult uh, difficult moments in our life in our normal life. So if we ha if we face some problems, we become more negative. We uh, we just like sometimes lose our mind. We just cannot react uh, in a in a calm, calm, simple way as we could do before. So it's like uh, step by step, we're more aggressive for more, more, more. I don't know all all the best qualities that people <laughs> have. We, we're near to, closer to them be because of the, uh, the these objective factors. So we, all of us need some rest. Listen, I hope you get that rest and you deserve it. And thank you so much for your time this evening, Kirill, because, again, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. And um, I'm going to make sure you get a nice little Christmas gift this week sent in from Capital, Capital Sports and Capital FM. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Congratulations with all upcoming holidays. Thank you, my friend. Thank, thank you, you, Kirill. Thank you. OK, it was Kirill Braid, of course, the communications officer from Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, we're going to go now to, in just one moment, to Andy Mack. That game has finished 6-2 at Old Trafford. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a, it was an interesting one. Um, it just shows the strength that United have and that they are building up because they are, you know, they're building up a bit of a head of steam. And as Andy Mack has been saying over and over, United are not that far off the top so don't write them off uh, we're waiting to see if Andy Mack can get on the line with us because he's a little bit busy because of course uh, earlier on Celtic uh, won the Scottish League Cup for what it's worth um, Andy Mack sorry for leaving you hanging on there um, how are you doing this evening? I was just making myself a steak oh yeah you're making a mistake or you're making yourself a steak well, both. <laughs> <laughs> ah, lovely. Uh, listen, I know you're very domesticated and you're a very good cook. Uh, I have eaten your cuisine, of course, before, so I can, de folks, I can verify it that he's, a, he, you know, when he puts a little pinny on and does all the cooking, he's amazing. Um, listen, uh, Andy, uh, that 6-2 win for United today, uh, wh what does that mean? Tell us what that means to us. 
Well, it certainly means that Manchester United, after all of the criticism that Solskjaer has been facing, are, are very much well and truly in that title race now. Um, I think it was more, for me, I mean, if you were going to nitpick at that, you can say they conceded two goals. Perhaps it even could have been more. Um, but they've they've ripped apart what I can only really describe as a, a very naive Leeds team. Uh, they fell asleep. I think it was actually the fastest two goals scored by the same player in three minutes in Premier League history. Um, from Scott McTominay. And I think it was just the, the, the way, obviously, we've discussed before Manchester United struggling at home. Um, so the fact that they've now scored six goals when I think they'd only scored um, three home goals up until that point um, um, uh, for, for the whole season in seven games, and now they've hit six in one. So huge turning point for them. If you look at their home form, they've actually only picked up eight points at home. If they could correct that going into the second half of the season, um, I think they're serious contenders, but we'll see. They've still got a game in hand. If they win that, they'll go two points behind Liverpool. Exactly, and they'll be out on their own ahead of Leicester City, of course, who they face on Boxing Day. So that's going to be a tough one uh, in any case. Uh, Liverpool winning uh, against Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson saying like that the, the, that the best, best team lost um, or the better team lost. Was that, a, that's not like Roy Hodgson. That is not like Roy Hodgson. Was he just being like tongue in cheek, being kind of like a bit like old matron kind of thing? Yeah, I think you have to because it really was a uh, an absolute masterclass in how not to defend. Um, um, I, I think just about every goal, I mean, they had their backs turned, they were allowing space. Uh, for some of the goals, you, you could see six or seven players running back and it was a simple pullback to a player coming in late. Um, simple but so effective but at that level of the game um, I think Roy Hodgson very much got his tic-tacs wrong for that and and they were punished every single time some of the finishing um, was absolutely fantastic and it came on the back of uh, Jurgen Klopp coming out again slating the half of the Premier League not willing to take on the idea of having five substitutes Um, he rested Salah he came on and he scored two fantastic goals as well so whether that was some kind of uh, middle finger to the to the other clubs, I don't know, but um, yeah, they were in fine fettle. Sadio Mane has a has a knack of scoring against Crystal Palace, and three up at half time, um, Crystal Palace perhaps went decided just to go for it and and got absolutely pummeled. Um, okay, I mean, again, it, it, it there seems to be so many odd results this weekend, um, especially Spurs losing two 0 to Leicester City. Um, you know, it just seems Spurs. I don't know. I mean, for one moment, I think Mourinho has things under control. The next second, then he's like Ollie driving the bus. Yeah, I mean, that's now what one win in five in the league. Their only wins um, that that they, they had were against Arsenal, who are obviously in free fall at the moment, and Antwerp um, and Ludogorets in that time, uh, both in the Europa League, where he'd made almost complete changes. Both of them lost midweek. Um, and really, it was an early, early, well, two early Christmas presents for Brendan Rodgers and Leicester because um, the first goal, I'm not quite sure what was going through Serge Aurier's head other than Serge. Um, he literally, it, it was it was American football style takeout of Fafana right on the edge of the box. There was no doubt it was a penalty. That was stoppage time, uh, first half. And then they came back out. Leicester had a goal disallowed, and then the second one was um, um, Toby Alderweireld, who'd actually had a very good game, scoring an own goal. Um, one thing that did impress me about Leicester was was the way that they looked to break down that sort of 
second to like the penultimate phase of Spurs' play, um, which was really effective. It's probably the most effective I've seen anyone take on Son and Kane. Um, and they were getting first to every 50-50 ball. And I thought Leicester perhaps maybe weren't deserving of a, of a comfortable cushion victory like that, but very impressive. And um, yeah, question marks perhaps now going uh, going back onto Jose Mourinho, you know, who'd been heavily praised. But that just goes to show you how close the league is this year, that two or three wins, and it really changes the outlook of everything. Of course, it was Jose Mourinho who actually brought Brendan Rodgers into Chelsea uh, back in to the early noughties, as far as I remember. Um, and... You know, like that was the first win that uh, Rogers has had over Jose Mourinho in in, in his career. But uh, I think it's he's what he 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 hasn't been able to get one over Mourinho. But do you think that maybe Spurs just they're kind of finding a bit of balance at the moment? I'm not even sure it's a little bit of balance. I think perhaps um, just. Perhaps teams finding them out just a little bit, perhaps learning. Each game, coaches are learning from each other the way that they look to break them down. Um, and we all know that Mourinho, everyone has been very praising of his tactics this year. But when teams get that right and Spurs have to find a new gear to go up um, and attack, they, they're very counter-attacking. They do it very, it's very phased. Everyone has to be in a certain position. If you've watched that wonderful documentary giving you a little bit of an insight He's adamant that everyone has to be in the right position. And when that becomes unsettled and teams, perhaps, perhaps Brendan Rodgers knows some of those elements to his to his tactics from his time at, at Chelsea. Um, so when you know how to break that down, it can become very difficult. So perhaps just a little bad patch for them, but um, they're still very much in touch uh, and um, have teams like Liverpool, etc., to come. So if they can get that right and have a little break, January, February before Europe starts again and get things right, they'll be close. Okay. And yes, we're going to go away in, in just one moment. Uh, but before we do, uh, question in, of course, plus 795 for any questions or comments for our guys. Uh, <clears throat> Araz has asked, what team or player is the best, uh, like in world football at the moment, who has been the best in 2020, in your opinion? Ooh, in 2020, difficult one because uh, obviously, well, FIFA have ruled out Messi and Ronaldo. Both of them, I guess, kind of struggled with fitness and um, contract issues or COVID or whatever it's been. Best in world football. Um, I think, for me, one of the most exciting players to watch at the moment has been um, Serge Gnabry's rise at Bayern Munich. I think he's very exciting to watch. And with the likes of Lewandowski roundabout, uh, has made it made him his his star certainly rise quicker um other than that i think if you were to take maybe the premier league this year i think it has to be spurs's um south korean ninja up front and in 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 son who who's just been absolutely fantastic and does it week in week out so you do realize that like you do realize though that uh ninjas are japanese yes i do okay just, just thank you. Okay. All right. Look, Andy, we're going to have to go away right now, but uh, we're back, of course, uh, with you in part four. So thank you very much, Andy Mack. Let him finish his stick. And we're going to go through the break right now with Stack of Bow. And here we go back with Isil Cody. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
with Alan Moore. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed them. That's a sort of a, a throwback song, one that was uh, huge a long time ago, but of course it is just a massive one. It's, it's one you just want to like groove to, dance to, and uh, makes you feel a little bit warm inside. Okay, um, before we go to our legal eagle, Easelt Cody, because she is taking time out from her family, I think a time out, everyone's taking time out today. I mean, are you taking a time out today, Double N? Yep, yep. You are? Oh my God, okay, time out for me, of course. <laughs> right, listen, you, when, when we're uh, off air just that moment, when we're also not off air, when we're on break, you were mentioning what you think is wrong with Arsenal, because we'll discuss this later on. I wanted to ask Andy Mack about it. Um, give us the two main things why Arsenal are, so, are in free fall, as Andy Mack says. Yeah, um, he noticed it very well. So I, I, would, I would say that the top of the management, in my opinion, is one of the reasons, because uh, I think that Stan Kroenke doesn't do as much as he should do. Uh, he's not as passionate as he should be, in my opinion. So that's one of the reasons. And... Uh, fans are not so like happy about him. So talking about fans, we all know that Mesut Ozil, who is like the most highly paid fair player in the, in the Premier League, Premier League yeah, 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 he's he's not played even. He's not included in the lineup. So I think that's a second huge reason for well, what's going on there. Yeah, like, disconnects. Yeah, pretty much. Of course, Stan Kroenke, of course, is he is. Um, you know, he's a, he has many, many clubs, including, I think it's the, the LA Rams. We'll ask Isil Cody about that. Of course, there is NFL going on right now. We'll, we'll give a bit of a roundup of that in a wee bit. Games have kicked off at nine o'clock our time. Uh, the big one that we're watching for you this evening, folks, is one that um, is it, not going their way at the moment. The Washington football team are 3-0 down against the Seattle Seahawks. It is 12.32 to go in the second quarter in that one. Meanwhile, we're going to go to Ireland, where um, our our favourite Irish person is having her Christmas dinner because of lockdown. Isolt, um are there are there Brussels sprouts and just make us jealous? What are you enjoying there at the moment? I wish it was enjoyable. So I got into the car, and my father is a very proud Kerry man. And Dublin winning yesterday, I thought it would go down badly, but basically he's done nothing but analyse the GAA. So. It's been an interesting evening, and when we were leaving the house to go for dinner, he asked what the dog would like to have left on on TV. So the dog was watching Man United <laughs> when I left, which says it all, really. <laughs> okay. But it's an unusual Christmas. Look, we're living in weird times. We're having a lovely evening with the family, but they all gave their opinions on what I was going to say tonight. So hopefully any blame can be attributed entirely to them. This time we'll allow it because of course Dublin they won the men's Gaelic football All-Ireland final yesterday and today they won the ladies as well so um, you know, even though they did lose under 20s football against Galway yesterday but we'll, we'll move on from that uh, okay just uh, okay straight away your three stories okay so I'm actually because we've come to the end of the year I want to talk about three women who have excelled and who have been recognised internationally. The first I'm going to talk about, we all know I'm a boxing fan, it's going to be Katie Taylor because in Ireland we do basically, one of the national uh, newspapers, the Irish Times, does a monthly Sportswoman of the Year award, which is unique. It really tries to recognise women who are going over and beyond. And this year, for the fifth time, Katie Taylor won the award. And I think there is a real reason for acknowledging Katie Taylor's achievements in 2020 because in a year when the globe has essentially shut down for sports, this woman has defended her titles, which obviously are of all the belts, twice. And I think that is a remarkable achievement. 
what she does for women's sport goes further than boxing in Ireland on a day-to-day basis you see that women look at Katie Taylor as a woman who is excelling in what's considered a male-dominated sport and it has the effect of galvanizing women across the sports to try a bit further and harder and I suppose this year we saw a young lady Terry Harper who was a female boxer who had given up after the amateur uh, scene and essentially she was inspired by Katie Taylor to continue and this year she won and defended her world title. So the immense impact that women in sport can have when they reach a global level in any sport has to be recognised and Katie Taylor for me is a woman who does just that. And the second, I'm going to move very swiftly to a woman who last week was recognised in the Guardian Women in Football um, chart. They basically did the top 100 women in football. She only got ranked as number three. And this week, FIFA recognised her as the best woman in football, Lucy Bronze. And what is really special about Lucy Bronze is she's not your up-forward striker. She's not your midfielder who's playing in the wall. She's a defender. This woman has won three Champions League titles with Lyon before returning this year to Man City. And I think we're talking about a woman who is exceptional and at the top end of her game, but she's not the typical player you associate with getting awards because she's not scoring goals every day of the week. She's leading from the back. And I I think not only that, but her name, and I love this fact about her, her full name is Lucia Roberta Tuff Bronze. I like it. You can't love that. Yeah, I I like it. I love it. I, I kind of wish it was made up, but that's actually her name. And the third lady I'm going to go for, I'm going to say my dad influenced me tonight. We were on the car journey to the restaurant and he said to me, oh, you're talking about women's sports. Are you talking about Rachel Blackmore? And I said, Dad, I've talked a lot about female jockeys in the last few weeks because one woman is up for the sports person of the year with BBC. And he pointed out that there's a young lady called Rachel Blackmore in Ireland who I do know about. And the reason I'm going to mention her is when we see female jockeys in the main, they don't dominate in the hunt because of the fact that it's considered a very male-dominated sport because you need to have a certain amount of control over the horse, etc. And Rachel Blackmore, this year, in a year which has been obviously dogged for most sports, she has come out and won some of the main... uh, Obviously, they're in Ireland, but some of the main hunt races. So she's won the Irish champion hurdle. She beats jockeys who are year in, year out, winning all around them. It's um, obviously a grade A race. She won the Mayor's Novice Hurdle Championship Final, the Paddy Rewards Club Chase and the Racing Post Novice Chase. And why I'm highlighting a female jockey is it's the one sport where people kind of go, oh, yeah, in, let's say, boxing, you could never have a female lightweight go in and fight a male lightweight. In boxing, there is a clear differentiation. In horse racing, it's one of the few sports where you see women who are equal to their male counterparts. And I think... In general, we need to recognise more sports where the gender difference doesn't matter and try and acknowledge the women who excel there because they are literally going up against their male counterparts day in, day out. And, again, and that, that is where I'm... Yeah, go ahead. 
Now, that's where I'm going to stop at my three. I have some other issues I'd like to discuss, but okay. they're my three women, no, and I think they're worth I agree. I agree with you. They are worth it because all, going back, like say, for example, to other horse sports like show jumping, uh, dressage, cross country, you know, three-day eventing and so on. They, like, I, I, like I, I know my cousin was a show jumper for many, many years. And I mean, she got to a certain level because, of course, it's, it's down to the quality of the horse you have and the money you have to, to compete and so on and so forth. But even then, she was an absolutely... A terrific, um, you know, show jumper. She could control her horse. She was very, very good. Just she didn't have the money. But at the same time, I, you know, I watched the Masters show jumpers last night, and I was surprised by the fact that it was largely men. But again, it's it's an incredible achievement for women to be able to compete at the same level. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a lot of it. Look, it's the same with horse racing as well. Uh, it goes down to the quality of your horse. You know, it doesn't make a yeah. difference about, um, you know, physically it can be slightly different, but uh, there's like it's been proved time and again in three-day eventing, which is the, the toughest one where you have to do the show, jumping, dressage, and then the cross-country race as well. It's it's phenomenally um, energy-sapping, but women have always come out very, very well in that. Um, okay, so one of the things, I, I won't mention the Bengals, who, of course, are going to maybe get beaten <laughs> by the, 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 the Steelers um, on uh, Tuesday morning. We are uh, consistent. Yes, consistently bad, that is true. And I'm not going to mention Spurs, who are inconsistently bad, or badly inconsistent, but I want to ask you about uh, this recent ban. And we're going to speak about it. You won't be with us, unfortunately, in the next segment. The, the ban on Russia and Russian logos, Russian flag, Russian anthem. Basically, you know, it, it's not a ban, but it's kind of a kind of a slap on the wrist. Um, what, what's your take on it? I mean, because Travis Target was coming out saying it wasn't enough, but we know how like he views the world. Well, let me just say, I'll start by saying Travis Tiger. I'll come back to him in a minute, but he is my equivalent of Trump in sports, and that is never a good thing. <laughs> when it comes to the... I like I have very strong feelings. When it comes to the Russian ban, I understand where WADA were coming from. They made a decision, the four-year ban. Ultimately, they made that decision in... They, decide, they found the information in January 2019. December 2019, they made the finding. Now, let's just say, if everything had gone as it should have been in 2020, that would have had a critical impact on the athletes who were at that point fully ready to prepare and pl- perform in the Olympics that would have come in the months to follow. So I don't fully agree with how WADA reached their decision so close to the Olympics. But what has essentially happened is the ban has been reduced from four to two years. That is by the Court of Arbitration in Sport. These are independent arbitrators who have time and time again found against Russia and applied the harshest of penalties. In this instance, they decided the appropriate sanction was two years. That means for Russia, they will miss out on two Olympics, the Winter and the Summer Olympics, which obviously are happening next year, and the UEFA World Cup in Qatar. And to be honest, they shouldn't really feel bad about missing out on that. They won't (laughs) miss out on the Euros because that's not a global event. My big issue here is WADA came out and said, obviously we're disappointed that the ban was reduced, but we are happy that CAST examined the findings and this is where they landed the appropriate ban at. So CAST have made that call. They've looked at the evidence. The Russian lawyers have said they haven't looked at everything, but ultimately they have found that four years was disproportionate. And these are their words, proportionality favoured two-year ban, which starts on the 16th of December 2020. My favourite man, the head of USADA, Travis Tigert, came out and said that he felt this went against every 
positive, good sporting intention. It set back um, everything to do with anti-doping procedures, etc., etc. Now, firstly, I have a huge issue with a man who is meant to be in the anti-doping sphere coming out and saying that in the context of a decision by CAS, who are the head board, who have always found in favour by the majority of decisions for WADA. They have always leaned on the side of caution and they have looked at the facts and they have decided that the original ban was disproportionate. What is happening now is still a huge ban for Russian athletes. They will compete under a neutral flag. But his comments just smack of someone who has ulterior motives and in his case, his ulterior motives are quite apparent. He is bringing forth the Rachenko law, which obviously is now the act is now in place. The idea being to protect sponsors so that they can sue if they feel that someone associated with doping has influenced the results of a competition. But by the same token, we also had Grigory Rachenko come out via his lawyer and say how he felt this wasn't a good day for anti-doping. Now, I'm sorry, but the day I take his opinion on anti-doping seriously, uh, you know, yeah. I'll shoot myself up with something. I think <laughs> at the end of the day, people have forgotten and they look at Russia as the bold child. No, Russia are the child that's being made an example of. Yeah. These Russian athletes weren't a series of gold medal athletes. These are athletes who were beaten. I'm The reason WADA are being quiet is because of the fact that they're going, yeah, two-year ban, that's grand. Let's not look at all the guys who beat all of these athletes consistently. And I think the bigger issue here is we continue to ignore... Systematic doping happens outside of Russia and continues to happen because otherwise, how are all these systematic dopers being beaten? That's true. And look, again, we 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 have cost ourselves an awful lot here on Capital Sports um, by always having the same line as that. Look, it hasn't gone away in Russia. It'll take a long time. It's a generational thing. But even still it's never going to go away because this is the norm in sports. Um, Issa, before we go back to uh, your family, because I know you, like, like you're standing... They were left alone with Brian and they threatened that they were going to inter- interrogate my other half on his intentions towards temporary football. Oh, well, okay, well, okay, well, well let's get back in and rescue him. So just, just uh, one quick question before you yeah. go away, because this is one that was uh, a question sent in. Um... In, in your, uh, this is from Amir Khan, uh, and he says, who in your opinion is a favourite to win the Champions League and the Europa League? And he said, who could be a possible dark horse? He, he said he likes uh, Gladbach and Leipzig. So who do you reckon? This is from Amir Khan. I have strong feelings towards Leipzig. I think Leipzig are incredibly well-skilled. If they're like the Red Bull approach in any other sport, they could be up there. When it comes to the Europa League... I'm going to say Spurs. I, like, I, I'm an eternal optimist. I want to think Spurs could do well. I also used to have a bit of a fondness for Roma. So if anyone is going to come out of the dark and pull it away, I'd like to think it would be Roma. But it's, it's a weird year. I like to think it'll be a weird winner in both tournaments. And the important thing is that Spurs will come somewhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Listen, Isolt, uh, thank you very, very much. I know I'll be in contact with you during the week anyway, but I just want to wish you a very, very happy Christmas to your family as well. And we'll talk with you next Sunday. Talk to you next Sunday, guys. Thanks, Camille. Thank you, Isolt. Okay, we're going to go into the break right now. Coming back, of course, with our... Uh, it's a threesome in the fourth, but of course, Double M will be joining in. Uh, we're going to go into the break right now with... 
Well, let's just say something that um, relates to, to the guys who are coming up in the next section and double end. This is Billy Irish and Bad Guy back after this with our foursome in the fourth. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. 